You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Benson. Heavenly Father, once again, we come to praise you and thank you for the time that we have this morning to, to fellowship and to study your word together. God, I thank you for making provision for all of these people to be here this morning. Thank you for the work that you're doing in their life and uh, just the desire that you've created in them to uh, meet together with other believers on a Sunday morning to celebrate the resurrection, to anticipate your coming again. Um, so, God, we just thank you for this morning. pray that you would have your hand upon our time together as we look into your word now. God, that we would better understand how you've designed the church to function and what our role is within that church. And uh, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get into... Um, the word this morning. I want to get some feedback from you guys about what you guys discussed in your groups this morning about expectations that we have for other people in this church. So what are some things that stood out to you in your discussion time that are healthy, right expectations that we should have for each other? Anybody? We had a uh, Okay. Yeah, an expectation that we can have is that people within this church would have a positive reputation outside of this church in the way that we live. Um, that we would be known for living the way that Scripture calls us to live as believers. That we would live separated and different from a lost and dying world. And I think that's a fair expectation for us to have towards each other. Because really to be a genuine member of a church, it necessitates salvation. Like we don't accept technically members of churches unless you're really saved. Um, And so if someone is genuinely a Christian, really saved, then it's a fair expectation for them to live like a Christian. Other expectations? Jesse? Uh, Two of ours, which I thought were pretty cute, um, were that we should expect them to grow spiritually. Okay. And that we should expect um, others in the church to be discipled. Okay. So expectation would be for regular spiritual growth to be happening and for also the church to provide an avenue for that where discipleship is set up. And you can see that in Titus chapter 2 where God has designed it for older men and women And I think that means both in in age, older men and women, but also spiritually, more mature men and women discipling younger believers in the church. So an expectation I think that is fair from Scripture is that we are regularly growing, but also as a church we're providing ways for that to happen. Other expectations? Okay. Okay, yeah, definitely. A fair expectation would be that people in this church are willing to serve both in the regular functioning of the church, but also just to serve each other in our, in our regular weekly needs. And I think to go along with that, you guys should expect this church to equip you to know how to serve. Because um, that's a responsibility of, of the church as well, to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Um, and so both of those would tie into that same expectation. Other expectations that that you guys discussed in your groups this morning? You said if we 
Okay? Okay? Um, communication throughout the week. And I think that's a fair expectation as well, is that you should feel like that you are a part of this church, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week. Now, there's in fulfilling that expectation, there's responsibility on both parties. One, for, for you as an individual in this church to seek out other people. Um, for you as an individual to receive it when other people do seek you out. I think an unrealistic way to have that expectation met is to always sit back and wait for people, other people in the church to initiate with you. I think that expectation doesn't get met for communication and, and fellowship and accountability to happen if we're constantly waiting on someone to initiate that with us. I think that we have to put ourselves into being a part of this church, that if you realize, man, it's Thursday and I haven't heard from anybody in the church, okay, there's fault on people in the church from not contacting you, but the fact that you haven't heard from anybody in the church is also on you because you haven't contacted anybody as well. We can't all play the role of someone come find me. We also have to play the role of I go find people as well to fellowship with and be a part of. Okay, so it goes both ways there for that expectation to realistically be met. It goes back to Philippians 2. Think of other needs above your own needs. And when we think of others' needs above our own needs, everybody's needs get met. Um, because if you're thinking about someone else, then someone else should be thinking about you and everybody gets taken care of. Other expectations that you guys discussed in your groups this morning? We thought the pastors were yeah, yeah, expectation of attendance. Now, that's, that, could, that could easily be twisted as a legalistic expectation for me to expect someone else to be at church on Sunday morning. Um, but I think that's a biblical expectation because Scripture says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So it's implied there that we should regularly gather together. I think it becomes legalistic when you begin to impose on someone that if they miss a Sunday, that it's sin. You know, like, like that's where we get into this dangerous mindset that we begin to look down on someone or judge them because they miss a Sunday. And that, that's an unfair expectation. I mean, the fact is, is that we're not even meeting next Sunday. And that's not a sin, because that's not us being unfaithful to gather together. That's us being realistic with people's schedules and, and where people are at, and just saying, you know what, it just makes sense to not meet next Sunday based on how many people are gone. So you can, you can take that expectation and make it really bad, but you don't just throw that expectation out completely and get rid of it. It should be expected that people that are members attend regularly this church. Okay? I think all those are fair expectations, all those are good expectations. And I think it's good for us to hear those things together so that we can help meet each other's expectations and serve one another within this church. Okay? We're going to talk about membership this morning, um, what it looks like to share our life with each other. Okay? And we're going to kind of walk through some different aspects of that. 
real quickly this morning from a biblical perspective. And then we're going to close out today looking at it from a practical perspective within this local church. How church membership is going to look in this local church. Okay? So starting there in your notes, it says church membership, what should I join? Now most of you are familiar with the fact that when we talk about church, it's important that we differentiate between the universal church and the local church. The universal church and the local church. You'll see in your notes there, the universal church is those called out of darkness into light. And it's all followers of Christ of all time. When we talk about the universal church, if you were to read um, any type of church life or Christian book, sometimes you might see the, the word church capitalized in the book. Anytime the word church is capitalized, it most often refers to the universal church. And when we say universal church, we simply mean people who have abandoned sin, left darkness, come to Christ, come to light. And we're talking about people from all time. People all the way back starting in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. From there to this point, everyone who has turned from sin and been faithful to God, responded to his revelation, is considered part of the universal church. Okay, Old Testament and New Testament. How do you join the universal church? What does church membership look like for the universal church? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. How do I join? Repentance of sin and faith in Christ. Repentance of sin and faith in Christ. Or simply, salvation. Membership requirements in the universal church simply involves you turning from sin, turning to Christ... Renouncing your good works, instead claiming the obedience and righteousness of Christ for salvation. Now, when we talk about the local church, we are talking about a local body of baptized believers who join together regularly under biblical leadership for worship, observing the Lord's Supper, teaching of the word with the purpose of growing in the likeness of Christ. And expressing his love to the world. So there's a lot going on in that definition. Okay? We've got the aspect of it being believers, baptized believers who gather together regularly. A key there being biblical leadership. We're not just a group of people who get together without any designated leadership. Scripture is very clear that we have a responsibility to be obedient to our spiritual leaders that have been placed over us. Which implies you being in a local church where there is biblical leadership. It's what distinctly separates us from a campus ministry or a Bible study or a get-together. Okay? Those things are great, but they are missing a key aspect of spiritual leadership. Biblical, grounded leadership. Elder leadership that we believe Scripture is very clear about. It differentiates from Bible studies, campus crusades. Campus ministries. A lot of times there's a tendency for people who go off to school to find um, intense fellowship and community in a campus fellowship, a campus uh, Bible study. And they begin to replace that with the local church. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. What separates us from being a Bible study in one key aspect is biblical leadership. Alright, it says, for worship, observing the Lord's Supper, teaching of the Word with the purpose of growing in the likeness of Christ. So we want to grow and mature together with the purpose of expressing it to the world. 
It's characterized by regenerate membership. Regenerate membership simply means that, that people that are members are saved. Saved. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we do the, the ordinances that we believe are revealed to us in Scripture. A lot of times Bible studies and uh, campus ministries do not participate in baptism and the Lord's Supper. So we do those things together. And church discipline is supposed to happen. Church discipline where we hold each other accountable to not sinning. We hold each other accountable to confessing sin. And when someone begins to tolerate sin in their life, we follow the steps that Scripture gives us in Matthew 18. Of rebuking people individually, taking people with us, taking church leadership with us. With the overall goal of seeing someone confess and repent of their sin and come back to Christ. It's rare that someone gets removed from a Bible study or a campus fellowship. Because it's not a local church. It's not functioning with biblical leadership, with church discipline. And it should not because it's not a local church. This is guidelines and, and structure given to the local church. Okay? How do you join? How do you join? It varies for every local church. The process of membership varies for every church. It varies for every church. Another key difference between the universal church and the local church is the universal church is only made up of saved people. The local church can be made up of both saved and unsaved. Because the fact is, is that you can join this church and be lost and foolish. So you can be a member of a local church and be unsaved because only you truly know your heart. You cannot fool anyone to be a member of the universal church. It's God who knows the heart. He ultimately knows who belongs to the church. Okay? I put in my notes, you are part of something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into his kingdom, and progressively shaping them into his likeness. And he wants you to be a part of it. The church has existed well beyond um, the establishment of this local church. The church has been in existence for, for many years before we ever thought about planting this church. And it will continue to exist well beyond when we're all gone. Okay? It's a big thing. And God is up to something big. He's called us to be a part of it. A small part of it for a small amount of time. But it's a crucial part. Okay? So that's what we're joining. We're joining the universal church and a local church. Next, church membership. Why is it important? Why is it important? The first thing there is that it's a vehicle. The church is a vehicle that God uses. The church, both the universal and the local church, is the visible demonstration of the power of the gospel in the lives of people united with Christ. It is the vehicle Jesus has chosen to take the message of the gospel to every generation and culture. Ephesians 3, start reading in verse 7. This is Paul talking. He says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone 
What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's saying God has chosen the church to demonstrate the power of the gospel both to people here on this planet. But he also says to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He says the church is meant to be a a vehicle that God uses to show his power to to creatures and, and beings that he's created in heaven to look at. He's got these angelic beings in heaven that are looking on in amazement as they better understand who God is as he works through the church. It's part of God's eternal purpose and plan to use the church as a vehicle to show his power both to the lost and to the other creatures in heaven that look on in amazement. It's a beautiful picture and it's an important thing to understand that when you join the local church, you're joining something very big. A plan that God has had since the beginning of time, since before the beginning of time. Secondly, it's a picture. Not only is the church a vehicle, it's a picture. Being a part of a church allows the lost and saved alike to see a visible understanding of God's changing power. Now get this. It's not because we memorize verses, pray for meals, tithe a portion of our income, and listen to Christian music. That's not ultimately what we're supposed to do to demonstrate to others what a changed Christian life looks like. Those things are good. Okay, Coming to Christ should alter maybe the music that you listen to, depending on what you were listening to before. It should alter the way that you use your money. It should alter the way that you spend your time. But look what it says. Instead... The ultimate picture is because we increasingly show a willingness to put up with, to forgive, and even to love a bunch of fellow redeemed sinners who make up the church. The way that we picture the changing power of the gospel to the lost world is not ultimately done through the way we use our money, through the way that we spend our time. It's ultimately done with the fact that we put up with people in this church For a long period of time. And we continue to love each other faithfully. When we continue to love each other faithfully. Despite all of our faults. Despite all of our annoyances. Despite every fleshly tendency that will arise in you. That says it's time to leave this church. Because I'm tired of so and so. Or this isn't just. It's not working for me. This person's not loving me the way that I want to be loved. When we stay in a church long term. It communicates something to saved people and lost people. That the gospel changes us because we can put up with something for a long period of time. We can forgive and love when the world is used to seeing the opposite. And I think the world responds to faithfulness and commitment. I think the world sometimes is amazed by it. For those of you that follow sports, it's always a big deal when someone in professional sports stays with their team or their franchise for the long haul. It's sometimes unheard of now in today's age for a player to go to a professional sports team and stay with that team his whole career. The tendency, and we're used to it as sports fans, is to see people leave teams to go somewhere because of more money, for a desire to win a championship. There's not a whole lot of desire to stay with the home team that took you and drafted you and paid you your original contract. 
And the world responds when we see people who say, you know what, I want to stay with my team for the long haul. I want to stay. I want to be faithful. The church is even more amazed when we stay in a local church for the long haul. And we continue to love and forgive and we seek to be the solution to problems in the church as opposed to the problem itself. It's a picture. It's a picture. And then lastly, it's a testimony. It's a testimony. Assembling together regularly on the Lord's day serves as a testimony to others of our hope in the resurrection of Christ. The reason we gather on Sundays is because Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. Every day that we get together, it should be a reminder. It should be a reminder that Christ has come back from the dead. That's why we're here today. Now, it's not wrong to meet on other days of the week. But realistically, the best time to meet as a church is Sunday morning, I believe, because it gives the best picture of why we're doing it. Why do you guys meet for that for that amount of time on a Sunday morning? Because Jesus came back from the dead on Sunday morning. It's our hope. It's why we don't have to fear death. It's why I'm looking forward to him coming back again, because I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to get a new body just like he did 2000 years ago on Easter morning. It's a picture. It's a testimony. It's a vehicle. The church is God's plan from all time. We gather together every Sunday morning. And it can be even a communication tool, a teaching tool for those of you with kids. Hey, we're getting up this morning. Yeah, I want to stay in bed. I'd like to sleep in today. No, we can't sleep in today. We've got to get to church. It's important. Christ rose from the dead on Sunday morning. We want to celebrate that together. I put in my notes, a passion for the church characterizes both Christ and his followers. Followers are supposed to love the church because Christ loved the church. God intends that the local church be central in the life of his people. The New Testament never conceives of a Christian existing on a prolonged basis outside fellowship of the church. It's just assumed in the New Testament that if you follow Jesus, you will put yourself into the church. You see this all in the book of Acts. It talks about the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, the early church adding to its numbers regularly. You don't just see people getting saved. You see people getting saved and being brought into the local church. They were adding to their numbers regularly. They got saved, but it didn't stop there. They were then brought into the fellowship. They were brought into the church. Church membership serves as an outward sign of the inward reality. We join a local church to show that we are a part of the universal church. It's an outward demonstration of an inward reality. Yes, I'm part of the universal church. How do you know that? Because I'm part of a local church. I demonstrate my membership in the universal church by being a member of a local church. Church membership, why is it necessary? Why is it necessary? Obviously, heaven and hell are determined by membership in a universal church. Your salvation. So why is local church membership so important? Why, why is that something that we would stress here? First thing you notice there is practical application. Practical application. You as a believer need the local church to carry out the commands that have been given in the word. You can't be obedient to the New Testament without being a part of a local church. You could say, ah, oh, you know what, I'm saved. Like, I totally believe in God. I don't really love the church because there's a lot of hypocrites there. There's a lot of um, controversy in a lot of churches. There's just a lot of things that I don't like about the local church. So I'm going to follow Christ, but I'm going to kind of do it on my own. I'm not going to go to church regularly. I'm going to use Sundays for what I want to do. 
I'm going to still get up and read scripture and study scripture and, and follow Jesus faithfully. I'm just going to do it separate from the local church. The fact is, is that if you're really trying to do that, you will not be outside of a local church for very long. Because as you study scripture on your own, you will realize, I have to get into a local church to do this stuff. I can't be obedient to what I'm reading. If you were to theoretically try to read and study on your own faithfully, you wouldn't be able to stay out of a local church for very long. John 13, 34 through 35. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus says, you've got to you be around other believers. You've got, you got to get together with other believers. You've got to love other believers. Why? So that the lost world can see what love looks like. So that the lost world is attracted to Christ based on how they see Believers interacting. It becomes something they desire. Hey, I want in on that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that fellowship and community that I see happening between those believers. Now, you could theoretically argue um, that you can love Christians without being a part of a church. You can just get together with Christian friends and, and love each other, and that's true. This text isn't a foolproof text for church membership, but it begins to lead us towards this mindset of, if I'm going to love people, I've got to have a, a, a faithful group, group of people that I'm with regularly so that I can love them like I'm supposed to. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. This is where we begin to see that, yeah, church membership is probably going to be something that I have to, have to be a part of. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Now, not only am I supposed to love other people, I'm supposed to stir up good works in them. I'm supposed to interact with them and encourage them in such a way that good works get produced in their life. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, if we just stop right here, if we just stop right here, then you could argue and say, I can do that in a Bible study. I could do that in, in a campus ministry. I could do that with, with just my family. I can, I can love each other in my family. I can stir up good works with my Bible study. We can talk about Jesus coming back. We can be faithful to that. So I don't have to be a part of a local church. But scripture continues to build this case for church membership. Philippians 1.27. So you could meet together regularly with your Bible study. You could form a small group and meet together in that context and fulfill that passage. But in Philippians 1.27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, in the original Greek, you got um, plural nouns being used all through there. So it's not an individual. It's not 
telling Jesse individually to live a life manner worthy of the gospel. It's not telling him individually to stand firm in one spirit. It's telling him to do that together with a group of people. So there's an aspect of, of unity, like intense unity with a group of people who, who are um, just unified with you for some common goal or common purpose. It says that your, your manner of life is to be worthy of the gospel, which goes back to the expectation that you guys mentioned about expecting other members to live a certain way. As a church, we're to live a life worthy of the gospel. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Okay, so practical application. We need a body of believers to fulfill the New Testament. If we're going to be obedient to the New Testament, I need a body of believers to do that with. But like I said, if we just stop there, I can do that in a Bible study. I can do that with my family. But then secondly, secondly, spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership. Spiritual leadership. The believer, the believer needs godly leadership to submit to and added protection from false teaching and deception. I need godly leadership to submit to and I need godly leadership for added protection from false teaching and deception. You put yourself into a local church because you find a local church that has leadership in place that you believe can protect you from false teaching. That can protect you from deception. You put yourself into a local church where you say, I want to submit to this leadership. Now that leadership is primarily given through the regular teaching on a Sunday morning. I am going to lead this church and and call you to submit in obedience through what is taught through God's word on Sunday morning. That's the primary way that leadership is demonstrated in the local church. Is that I'm going to to feed you scripture and expect you to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. So you submit to my leadership by being faithful to be obedient to scripture that is taught on Sunday morning. Which places heavy responsibility on me to stand up here and lead. Which is why the first few passages of scripture are given to you here in your notes. It's the qualifications of an elder. It's the qualifications of spiritual leadership. If, If God didn't intend for there to be... Leadership in the church, he would have never put qualifications for leadership in his word. If he didn't intend for there to be godly, spiritual, authoritative leadership in the church, he would have never included qualifications in his word. He gives extensive qualifications for what should be the type of person who leads his church. And early in the church, Paul and the other apostles were calling their disciples to establish elders in the local church. To set it up. Titus 1, 5 through 9. Paul talking to his friend Titus here. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. So that you might put what remained into order. Paul's in the business of church planting. And he leaves Titus behind and basically kind of says, finish up what we started. I'm leaving you in Crete to to kind of put the remaining things into order. Appoint elders in every town as I directed you. He says, get them in place. Disciple them. Find them. Here's the qualifications. And he begins to list them. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. 
but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy, trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be, may, be, may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. I mean, heavy responsibility on the elder. And they're supposed to be established in the local church. They're supposed to be set up. This was the early church format. Get these guys in place. Put them in charge of these local churches that we're starting. People are getting saved and they need leadership to guide them, to direct them, and they need leadership to submit to. Heavy responsibility. Then, heavy responsibility is placed on the member in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 17. says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. That implies you being in an environment where someone has stood up and said, I will take responsibility to give an account for your soul. That usually doesn't happen in a campus ministry or in a Bible study. There's plenty of people that will say, hey, why don't you come over to my house and we'll study the Bible together. And it'll be great and we'll eat together and it'll be fun. Great. Um, are you going to take responsibility for my soul on the day of judgment? No, I was just inviting you over to eat, and we'll open the Word together and just kind of talk about it. Great. Well, I'm going to come over, but I'm going to have to be a part of a local church, because I need someone who will stand up and say, I will give an account for your soul on Judgment Day. That's a heavy responsibility for me. Something that I really had to think through before I ever said that we'll do this. Because I know that when we start accepting membership to this church... I am communicating to you that on Judgment Day, I will give an account for your soul. That I will stand before God, and He will ask me, why is so-and-so the way that they are? Why did you not step in and lead differently? Why did they fall away? Why did they do this? Why, why, why are they baby Christians still drinking milk when they should have been eating meat by now? I will give an account for that. And that's something that I'm willing to do. I believe God has called me and put me into that position. But church, church membership is important because you have to find the type of leadership that will stand up and say that type of thing. That doesn't happen in a Bible study or a campus ministry. You have to submit to that kind of leadership. Why? Why, why do I expect you to submit to the leadership? Or why do I expect you to submit to God's word and be obedient to it? Because I'm the one that's going to give an account for it. I have to lead and shepherd in such a way because I'm going to be held responsible to some degree for how you respond to what we do on Sunday morning. Which is why I'm not going to just leave it up to you to decide if you want to give or not give to this church in obedience to what Scripture has said. I'm going to make sure that we give you every reason and opportunity to give to this church. Because I'm going to give an account for how you handled your money to some degree. I'm going to give an account for your soul. This is why church membership is a necessity. Because you have to submit to this kind of leadership. Then lastly, personal accountability. Personal accountability. The believer needs added protection from brothers and sisters in Christ 
to help avoid sin and its temptations. It's a prideful, arrogant thing to assume that you can follow Christ and resist the allurement of this world on your own without the help of a local church. It's prideful and arrogant to think that you can say no to sin throughout your whole life and never need the encouragement and the rebuke and the admonishment of a local church in your life. Scripture has set it up to where you will not fall away from the faith because the local church will make sure that you don't. If left to ourselves, we would go back to the things of this world. We would give in to discouragement and depression because we would run out of energy trying to do it on our own. And scripture has, been, scripture has designed the church. God has spoken to us through his word and said, the way that I'm going to keep you guys energized and faithful and persevering is that you're going to do it together so that when one of you gets tired, somebody who's not tired can pick you up and say, come on, let's go. I need, to, I need to lovingly rebuke you. You're, you're slipping away. You're falling in love with the things of the world again. We've got to say no to that stuff because Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And we want to, to stand confident when he comes back and not shrink away in fear and embarrassment about how we're living our life. It's absolutely necessary that you put yourself with a, with a group of people who will help you persevere. It's prideful and arrogant to think that you could do it on your own without that. Why do I say that? Because Scripture says you have to have it. It's prideful and arrogant to say that, that you don't need what Scripture says you need. You've got to put yourself with a local body. 1 Corinthians 5 and Matthew 18 are passages that walk us through how to handle sin in the church. 2 Corinthians 2.6 is a picture of, of restoration that happens when that's followed correctly. It says God has designed the Christian life for us to grow together as believers as we encourage one another. We've already seen that in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. God has also designed the church to be a place of protection from the enemy. And the many false teachings in our culture. Through the means of godly leadership. Acts 20, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He says, warning, there are going to be false teachers that come that are going to lead you astray. There are going to be dangerous people that try to come in and lead and twist your thinking about Scripture. And you need protection for it. You need protection for it. That's the biblical basis for membership. That we have a responsibility to, to align ourselves with a body of believers. A local body that we can pour our lives into. That we can invest in long term. That we can faithfully forgive and love as a demonstration to a lost world of what faithfulness looks like. What a changed life looks like. My hope and desire is that, is that you guys, my hope and desire is that this church will be everything that scripture says a church should be. 
It may not meet all of your personal expectations, but my hope is that we will never have someone who says, this church is not meeting biblical expectations in my life. So my hope and desire is that those of you that are here, that you will continue to be a part of this church for as long as you are local. For as long as you are local, that you will always be a part of Sovereign Hope Church. Because I want to demonstrate to Sonoy what it looks like to be faithful because the gospel has changed us. I want Sonoy to know what it looks like to set aside personal preferences, personal desires, in favor of what Scripture says has to happen. And know that not all my personal expectations are going to get met. But I can trust that that Adam is communicating to me that as much as he is able, as, as, as much as he can, that this church will be everything that it's supposed to be biblically. That when we come to passages of Scripture that say we're supposed to be doing something, we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that that's happening here. So that you will never have to leave and say, man, discipleship's just not happening at Sovereign Hope. Or, or this is just not really happening at Sovereign Hope. I see this in Scripture, and I've got to leave because it's just not happening at Sovereign Hope. That when you come to passages of Scripture in your own quiet times, you'll say, hmm, that's why we do that at Sovereign Hope. Because it says we're supposed to as a church. My hope is that you guys will always be a part of this church as long as you're local. That you'll never have a biblical reason to leave here. Biblical basis for membership. What are the benefits of being a member of this church? These are things that maybe aren't laid out clearly in Scripture. But these are, are things that we've established and set up for sovereign hope. And this is what becomes an advantage for people who say, I want to be a member here. I don't want to just attend faithfully. I want to be a member here. I want to get through the membership process, whatever that looks like, whatever that ends up looking like. I want to be a member here because there's some real benefits that I enjoy by aligning myself with Sovereign Hope. You know, beyond the fact that, that I need to know who I'm, who I'm responsible for. Because I stood up and said, I'll give an account, God, for these people on Judgment Day. So I need to know who I'm giving an account for. Here's some practical reasons, some practical benefits of Sovereign Hope membership. And you may never have thought about this before. I know at times I've wondered, what's the benefit of being a member at this church? Why should I go forward and sign a card or, or express a desire to be a member? Why can't I just come faithfully? You know, when I was in college, early part of college, I just kind of bounced around church to church. I went faithfully, and I went faithfully to some churches for a while, didn't really join anything, and wasn't really sure that there was a benefit in joining a church. But for Sovereign Hope, I want us to feel a distinct advantage in being a member from being an attender. The first one, the first one is church discipline. The first one is church discipline. We will not handle Matthew 18 and 1 Corinthians 5 type of format with people who are not members here. Now that's not to say that if you're an attender here that we will um, not rebuke your sin and address your sin. But church discipline will look different for people who are members. And when we use church discipline, it should be understood in a positive context. I told you when we taught on this at Mount Gilead. That I long to be a part of a church that will kick me out. 
I need to know that there's a threat that I would get kicked out of this church if I chose to live in sin faithfully. If I just said, you know what, no more Jesus, I just want, I'm going to keep coming here because I'm supposed to come to church, but I'm going to really start indulging in sin. I need to be a part of a church that will say no to that and eventually say no to me coming to this church if I won't repent. Because here's what happens. Right now, we're all in a state of mind where we would say, yeah, like I hate sin, like I want to follow Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we won't reach a state in our life where we're so blinded to the goodness of Jesus and we're so in love with some type of sin that we don't need someone to come remind us, to come get in our face about it. We now, right now, when we're in a good state of thinking, like when we're not deceived by sin, in a good state of mind, we need to put ourselves into a protective environment so that if we know we start thinking wrongly and we get into a bad state of mind, someone will come get us. Someone will come protect us. You make the decision to put yourself in a church that will kick you out so that if you ever start living that way, you know that you've got protection to come get you. Church discipline is a distinct advantage of being a member of Sovereign Hope. That you know that there are leadership in place that knows they will give an account for your soul that will come get you when you start living in sin. That won't just let you say, you know what, I'm not going to come here anymore. I'm going to go do my own thing. That we'll love you enough to say, no you won't. You told us three years ago that you wanted us to come find you when you started acting like this. So here we are. Here we are because you're acting like this and you need us right now. Church discipline, a distinct advantage of being a member of Sovereign Hope. Secondly, secondly, discipleship. Discipleship will be a distinct advantage of being a member of Sovereign Hope Church. Now, we've talked about discipleship. We know that Scripture teaches discipleship. We know we have a responsibility to make disciples. But the facts are facts is that we all have a limited amount of time in our schedule. A limited amount of time in our schedule. And I've talked with others who are trying to, to do discipleship with people and how hard it is to fit it into your schedule. And what we're doing here at Sovereign Hope is making it an advantage to be a member here. And I would encourage you as people of this church to hold true to what we're trying to do with this. Is that discipleship, one-on-one, one-on-three, whatever, discipleship only happens in this church with people that are members. That you need to invest your time. If you're going to be involved in discipleship, it needs to be happening with people in this church. we got enough people in this church to go around we got enough people in this church that want to be discipled to where we don't have time to be discipling people that go to other churches. I'll just be honest with you. I don't have time to meet with people who go to another local church. That local church is responsible for their discipleship, not me. I just don't have time in my schedule for that. So I'm making the commitment to you as a church, to those that want to be a part of this church, that I'm not going to spend time doing discipleship with people that aren't a part of this church. Because here's the thing. Let's say you lead someone to Christ. You share the gospel with them, they get saved. And they say, hey, you know, I need to be discipled now. And you know they need to be discipled. You don't start meeting with them about discipleship because really the very first step of discipleship is you need to be baptized and you need to be in a local church. So let me bring you to my church where you can be baptized and let me show you what membership looks like in our church and then I will begin discipling you. 
Well, so-and-so says, I mean, dude, I live, I live so far away from Sovereign Hope. Like, you met me at work, and, and, you know, and I live here. Okay, great. Then let me help you find a local church to be a member of. And let me go to you to their, with you to their leadership and say, hey, um, my name's so-and-so. I led so-and-so to Christ, met him at work. He actually lives in your area. Um, he needs to be baptized. He needs to be brought under the authority of a local church. And he needs to be discipled. You're a pastor here. You need to take responsibility for this guy. Because I don't have time in my schedule to do it because I live in Griffin. Or I live in Noonan. And I'm already discipling people in my church. See, we spread ourselves way too thin if we start investing in people that aren't a part of this church. Now, that may say sound harsh and, and a little like, what are you talking about? But facts are facts is that people want to be discipled in this church. And discipleship ultimately works when we're submitting ourselves to the same leadership, to the same teaching. See, you're going to grow a whole lot faster if you're discipling someone who's sitting under the same Sunday morning teaching. You're going to drive yourself crazy trying to disciple someone who's in a bad church, who's hearing bad sermons on Sunday morning, because they're not growing in all aspects of their life. They're relying on you to feed them solely. If you lead someone to Christ that can't be a member of this church, you don't neglect their need for discipleship. You just go find someone in a local church that they can be a part of that will disciple them. Membership of Sovereign Hope is advantageous to you because discipleship opportunities are available. Number three, service opportunities. Service opportunities. We're only going to allow people to long-term serve in this church if they're a member. Because we want to know that they're faithful to what we're doing as a church. Okay? Which means people aren't working with the kids and working in the nursery that aren't members. Like we want people all on the same page, which means you can't just come and be an attender and then have us entrust our kids to you. We got to know that you know what you're talking about. We got to know that you're all in, that you're invested in this church, that you're on the same page as us, that you're united with us in one spirit for the sake of the gospel. So service opportunities are going to be available in a prevalent way here in this church. But it's a way for members to serve in this church. And then lastly, number four, specific care. Specific care. Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day they were attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The way that they treated members in the church was crucial to bringing new people into the church. See, the lost people were looking at how the saved members of this church were interacting with each other. Get this. These guys weren't selling their possessions and giving to anyone who had need in the city. They weren't doing that. They were selling their possessions and giving to each other who had need in the church. And it made lost people say, ah, I want in on that. 
Like they're, they're living differently. They love each other differently than what I'm used to seeing in the, in the clubs and the groups that I'm a part of. There's a drastic difference over here in this club. And I want to be a part of it. I want to learn more about it. Specific care happens to members of Sovereign Hope. Doesn't mean that if you're an attender or, or a family member of a member here that we're not going to give you money if you need money. That we're not going to give you help if you need help. But an advantage of being a member of Sovereign Hope is that you know you get top priority of being taken care of when you're in need. That something different happens when a member is in need as opposed to someone who's not a member. That when a member has a need, it becomes priority on a Sunday morning for us to communicate this and say, Hey, so-and-so's in need. We're taking up a collection right now because they need this money immediately. So let's take it up right now and let's get it to them. Somebody go deliver it to them right now. Specific care will happen for people who are members of Sovereign Hope. I think that's biblical. I think it's biblical. I mean, we could easily spread our resources thin because we will always find people that need But what we're communicating is, is if you really want to understand what it means to have your needs met, you need to be in here. You know, we ain't got enough money to go to go share it with everybody in Sonoy and take care of people that need money in Sonoy. But what we can demonstrate to Sonoy is that we're a group of people who love Jesus so much that we take care of each other. And and if you want, if you need help, let us share the ultimate help of the gospel Let's show you what it means to be saved. Let's bring you into this church, and then you can understand what it means to be a member of this church. So some distinct advantages from being just an, just an attender to then being a full-fledged member of Sovereign Hope. I want to communicate to you a biblical perspective of membership. And I want you to reap the benefits and advantages of being a member of a local church as well. Any questions about any of that? I got something I want to pass out to you, but I want to see if, if that sparks any questions or any confusion. Because some of that stuff may be stuff that you, you're not used to seeing in a local church. Any thoughts or anything like that on, on what we've looked at this morning? I've never been a part of a church that's done it either. Um, right. Right. And my hope is that is that to avoid, I mean, part of avoiding church discipline is that we put an infrastructure in place to where we shouldn't have like surprises that so-and-so has been in an affair for four years. Because so-and-so should have had someone in their life for the past four years asking hard questions that could have seen a change that started happening and was able to identify that change and say, dude, what is, what is up with you? Like, you're not, you're acting different. And to be able to catch it a lot earlier. And, and I haven't been in a church that's done that either. They're out there. They are out there. And, and, and I hope this becomes one of them that's out there. 
But I had, I had lunch recently with a pastor uh, of a church in Sharpsburg. And, and I told him where I used to go to church. Um, not Mount Gilead. But I went to, uh, there was a church that I went to. And the guy said, yeah, I'm, I know the pastor there. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, I actually called him because one of, the, one of our members that we had disciplined, we had removed them from our church because of sexual sin, joined that church. And so I called him up and said, hey, you can't let that guy join your church. Like, he's under discipline. So, I mean, those churches are out there, and there are pastors who are taking that seriously. I mean, unbelievable this guy would call another pastor and say, hey, you don't need to accept that guy because we've already had to kick him out of our church for sin. Um, so they're out there, and I hope that, that we become a, a light for that, type of, for that type of activity and it being done in a biblical way, to where that becomes normal. In an ideal situation where we never have to do it because we're so involved in each other's life that it's caught early enough to where discipline's not needed. But if needed, that it would be something that we practice. Any other thoughts or questions about when membership? When I grew up in the back, it was kind of a general consensus that we had the vast majority of us have never been in the church. What the differentiation between membership and non-membership was that you get to vote. Right. Yeah, and I meant to touch on that, that usually the distinct advantage of member, non-member is that you get to vote and make decisions. And, and there's no, there's usually not any requirements for maintaining your membership. And that's why we've all heard horror stories of churches where people have gone and dragged up people that were members, that, that are still members, but haven't been to the church in five years, but they still have the authority to vote on big decisions. Um, and so, yeah, unfortunately, that's usually the advantage is that you get your name put on a card. You have the authority to vote um, on big church decisions. And like I said, I want there to be more biblical advantages to membership here. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of what, what it's probably going to be. A little bit different process for this initial group. Um, it's going to take probably a little bit longer to get through everybody and have them be a part of this. So we're not looking at, you know, raise your hand if you want to be a member next week. You know, okay, you're all members. Um, you know, like we want, to, we want to sit down with people individually and talk through some stuff. We probably won't go through the same process with y'all that we've known for a longer period of time as opposed to someone, you know, just coming in off the street saying, hey, just moved here. You know, I'd like to be a member here. It'll be a different, maybe a little bit different process. But I'm about to, I'm going to walk through that here in just a second. Any other thoughts or questions? I had a question about the discipleship that you were saying about uh-huh. in the church. The, um, I mean, we all get, I mean, we all met with other people outside of church. You're definitely fine. And I'm kind of just trying to understand what you're saying. I know you were saying within the church, we spread ourselves in. Right. Like yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say that you can't meet with someone or that you, you can't meet with someone to disciple them, nor am I going to say that you can't meet with someone to be discipled by them. But what I do want us to, because, I mean, right now, and I want you to understand, you're going to have to be patient in the aspect of discipleship. Okay, We've identified the fact that that's a glaring weakness in the church today. We want to correct that within this church, but that's not going to happen overnight. You know, like we're not going to be able to, 
to have sign-ups next week for, if you want to be disciples, sign up because we got 10 people that are ready to disciple people. You know, it's not going to be an, an overnight fix. We are being proactive and working to try to fix the discipleship problem that's happening in most churches. But we need your patience. Patience and understanding that we are addressing the issue. Patience and understanding that it may not happen next month. Um, so, yeah, for some of you, you're going to continue to disciple people outside this church. You're going to continue to be discipled by people outside this church. And that's fine. And we definitely encourage that. Um, but the more we get along in, in fixing discipleship here, we want discipleship to be a priority within this church for everyone. Even if you're having outside discipleship relationships, we want to continue to encourage those as long as discipleship within this church is also a priority. You know, so I would I was hesitating saying, hey, Philip, um, you know, we had a guy that got saved at our missions project yesterday and um, he's here Sunday morning and he's really looking for someone to to disciple him for you to look at me and say, you know, sorry, I, I just don't have any time. Like I, I'm discipling 10 people that, that don't go to this church. Well, I mean, we, we really need you here, man. Like like we really need you investing in people here that need to be discipled. So if you're able to balance both, then, then great. It, it's not a. Um, and either or, but more of a both and. Like, if you can do both, then great. For me, I know I can't. You know, I, I can't drive to Griffin to disciple somebody that's not a part of our church because I'm giving an account for you guys, not for people that go to other churches. So, other thoughts or questions? Um, I don't know that it's a, um, like a strict method. I think a lot of times, hopefully those will spring up through small group situations where you're in a home group with someone that either you're able to identify and say, Hey, I want to start investing in that person, or I want that person to start investing in me. Um, but then, you know, we also want to eventually have a thing in place where if, if you don't know who to go to for discipleship, that you can come to us and we can help pair you up with someone that, that would be willing to do that. Any other thoughts or questions? All right, if I can get some help passing these out real quick. This is a packet that we would most likely end up giving to someone as they went through a membership process with us, this is a church covenant that um, that I kind of communicated thoughts and vision to Adam, McLeod, and Tyson. And then they kind of went to work to putting it together in an organized form. This is kind of a compilation of expectations, desires, and commitments that we would expect from membership. And we've strive, we are striving to back every one of those up with Scripture. So you'll find Scripture reference for just about everything that we ask you to covenant towards with us on the back of the covenant. Okay? So let's look at the covenant together. I'm going to read through it with you, tell you about these other three pages, and uh, we'll be done. Okay? Eventually, when we officially begin doing membership here. This is a covenant that we will walk through together and ask you to to commit to, to adapt to. Okay? So as members of Sovereign Hope Church, we affirm this covenant with one another by God's grace 
for our good and ultimately for God's glory. Having both been led by the Holy Spirit through divine grace to repent and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and having been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on the profession of our faith, we covenant together to glorify God by delighting in Christ as our treasure above all things, and by learning and teaching others to hold fast to the hope of Christ's return. Together we will draw near to God in worship as we hold fast to the hope set before us and joyfully submit to the word of God as the all-sufficient authority for our lives. We will gather together in our common union in the spirit and we will engage the lost in our common love for the gospel so that they too may turn from darkness to light. We will participate regularly in the celebration of the Lord's Supper as we remember Christ's work on the cross and anticipate his future return for his bride. Together we will spur one another on to love and good works. We will meet with one another consistently, pray for one another regularly, and serve one another selflessly. We will strive to love each other purely by recognizing the love of Christ and the work of the Spirit in the lives of others. We will edify one another with our speech, encourage one another with our examples as we share each other's joys and bear each other's burdens. We will consider each other's interests above our own by humbly and gently confronting one another, receiving correction from one another, and pursuing recon reconciliation with one another as we seek to obey our Lord and remain unstained from the world. Together we will guard and protect the doctrinal unity and purity of this church. We will adhere to our church's position on primary theological issues as laid out in our statement of faith and will not be divisive over secondary issues. We will test the instruction from the scriptures given by the elders of our church in a biblical manner while humbly submitting to their God-ordained role of shepherd in our lives. We will honor the commands of Scripture and the leadership of this church by assuming individual responsibility to know Christ deeply and His Word richly in a reproducible way. As new believers are added to this church family, we will work together to teach them all that Christ has commanded them to do. We will give cheerfully and generously to the support of this church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We will seek to grow together toward biblical unity as long as we are in fellowship on this earth. If we move from this local body, we will unite with another local church as soon as possible where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. May the grace and the love of our sovereign God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as an anchor of hope as we await the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will eventually walk through this covenant together. And, and kind of explain point by point exactly what we're talking about. But that gives you an idea of the level of commitment that we're looking for here at Sovereign Hope. Um, I'm excited about it. I think that as, as we seek to do these things together, it's going to build an unbelievable, satisfying church experience for us all. Because it's going to be rooted in Scripture. And we can know that expectations that we have that are rooted in Scripture will be fulfilled here. Alright? I've given you three sheets that um, we won't work through these right now. I want you to take these home throughout this week and kind of read over them together. If you're a family, individually, um, the first one involves finding a church. I want you to work through this because this is what I would recommend to anyone looking for a church. I think you personally need to make sure that Sovereign Hope is the answer after you've worked through this. That you're supposed to be here, that sovereign hope is these things. Because these are biblical reasons to join a church. And so you need to work through and make sure that these things are true about what we're communicating to you is going to happen here at Sovereign Hope. 
Then you've got a sheet about what it looks like to be a fully committed member. These are expectations that I've put together that I would have on you as a member. Ten things that I think everyone would need to adapt to be a faithful member here at Sovereign Hope. And then lastly, when should you leave a church? Because here's the facts. Is that if there's going to come times where people in this church are going to have thoughts about leaving. And I think it's important as a discussion of membership that we also discuss why you would ever break that membership. Obviously, I've told you that I want you to be here if you're local. Which means if you're not local, then it would make sense for you not to be here. But my hope is that membership becomes so precious and so important here that we don't have people leaving here like people leave other churches. Now that may be an unfair expectation for me, but my plan is to to anticipate that you would want to leave one day and make sure that you leave for the right reasons and not for the wrong reasons. Because it would be prideful and arrogant for me to think that I could... I could in some way put together a church where nobody would ever want to leave. So if you're going to leave, I want to make sure it's for the right reasons. And so that's why I've included this sheet as well. For you to also be reminded of, if there comes a time when you're supposed to leave Sovereign Hope, that we all know it's a biblical reason to leave. All right? Um, Like I said, we're still working through membership process for you guys. Normally, just to give you an idea, normally, once we're kind of beyond that, we have like our initial membership in place. Beyond that, someone comes to our church and wants to be a member. Um, there's some prerequisites that would need to happen for membership. One, they would need to attend and be a part of a home group um, because that's going to be our main form of community and fellowship. So we want people to, uh, to experience that before they express membership. We want them to to see all aspects of our church. They would need to attend a home group. They would need to attend Sunday morning for three months. Before we would have someone actually go through membership and be a member of this church, they would need to be here long enough to know they really want to be here. Um, We've also worked through a a member profile that they would fill out to help us in meeting with them. We're also going to work through what is a healthy church member with everybody that wants to be a member of this church. Obviously, most of you guys have already gone through that, so that's why things will be handled a little bit differently. Um, it's a seven-week process that we've set up right now for someone after this initial group um, where we go through statement of faith. We go through everything about our church so that there's no uh, questions or surprises down the road. We want people to join here that know what they're getting into, that know um, all the ins and outs, and, and, and know what the expectations are. Okay? Any questions, any thoughts, or any closing comments from you guys? Before we go, uh, probably during the week, because we've set it up to where different people in this church would would meet with those people. So, you know, sometimes it would be so and so meeting with these people about this, and then I would meet with them about this. So it'd be something that happened outside of Sunday morning, probably. All right. Love you guys. Thank you for being here this morning. I encourage you to continue thinking through this. Work through the covenant on your own this week. If you've got questions or anything like that, please feel free to email me. Again, we're taking questions on the budget, so if there's anything that's confusing you about how money is going to be handled here, then I encourage you to come talk to me about that as well, or to talk to Adam and Ben, who um, were responsible for putting a lot of that together. 
Um, as you leave today, if you didn't get a chance to put your financial commitment into the box, please do so. If you haven't yet, then you can continue to do that in the coming weeks. Um, and as always, you can give um, anything that you desire to give financially today in the back as well. All right, let's pray. God, we do love you so much, and we thank you for our salvation. And God, we thank you so much for the local church and how you've designed it. We thank you that you've made it clear in Scripture what the local church is supposed to look like. And so, God, we ask now that you would empower us to make that happen here at Sovereign Hope, that we would be faithful to be a biblical church. God, my desire is that people would never leave this church because something biblical is not happening here. God, help us to strive to to put in place a structure that can meet the biblical expectations of people in this church. God, give us wisdom and insight as we seek to make decisions about how to practically do that with home groups, with discipleship groups. God, give us wisdom to know how to do that in a way that will be effective and efficient. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yeah, if you've got song sheets, then you can put those in the back so that Tyson can um, follow those away for future use.